Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome back to Explore the Space and welcome to episode number 149. My guest in this episode is Dr. Daniel Kraft. And I'll just say it took a few months to actually get Daniel Kraft on the show, and it was absolutely worth the work. This is as fun an episode as we've had in a while. Daniel is a physician scientist who is fellowship trained in bone marrow transplantation. He's an inventor, an entrepreneur, an innovator. He does lots of really fun and interesting things. And that obviously fits nicely with what we've been doing on Explore the Space is finding people who can share with us how we collaborate, what happens when we collaborate, what happens when we have lots of different interests, do lots of different things, what happens when we say yes and, and really just get after it and find those things that we love and pursue them and meet other like-minded people and really just kind of immerse ourselves in that space. This conversation was just an absolute blast. We got into the power of collaboration what it's like to take on lots of different interests and what happens when you sit at a table with people doing lots of different things and how that's rocket fuel for change. We also spend some time talking about the incredible conference that he puts on called Exponential Medicine, and we get granular about how to make conferences great. And this would apply to anyone who goes to a conference, especially just basic things. How do we introduce ourselves so we can break down barriers, get out of silos, and start to find other people who do interesting things using technology like QR codes on our ID badges? This conversation just goes everywhere. It's an absolute blast. I think you're going to really enjoy it. Before we get to it, just want to remind everybody that all of the great things, all of the great content guests and experiences that lead up to episode 149, they're all in the archive. You can find it at www.explorethespaceshow.com. You can find the podcast on all of your favorite podcast platforms. The month of August was absolutely incredible. We blew every record for Explore the Space in terms of downloads and listens completely out of the water. So thank you all so much for downloading the show, subscribing to the show, reviewing the show on your favorite platform, and spreading the word. And I'll just ask you to please keep doing it because what's happening is really exciting and getting these voices and messages out there is really, really impactful. It's really, really great. You can email me anytime, mark at explorethespaceshow.com, and you can find me on social media. I'm very active on Twitter at ETS Show, and you can find me on Instagram at Explore the Space Show. Like I said at the beginning, this conversation is a blast. This is such a fun episode. It goes in all kinds of different directions, just like Daniel's career is going, and just like so many of your careers are going. So in that way, it's just really exciting and really gratifying. I think you're going to really enjoy it. Without further ado, Daniel Kraft. Daniel, welcome to Explore the Space. Thank you so much for coming up. I've been looking forward to this for a while. Great to be in your space. You you are a hard man to pin down. It's fun to I like the quest as a as a podcast host and producer. I like when I reach out to someone and there's clear engagement and enthusiasm, but then there has to be a little bit of a pursuit. <laughs> Can't make it too easy for you like anything else. That's right. So that's right. Thanks for thanks for being persistent. Absolutely. No, we have we have much to discuss. I, I actually there, so there's a theme on Explore the Space that started really started about six months ago, and the topic actually came up with a guest that I that, that you and I were chatting a little bit before. You know her named Shauna Pandya, and she and I talked about the concept of being pluripotent, and this concept of being pluripotent has come up on Explore the Space with a number of guests. People really like that idea. 
With you, what I like about this concept is it applies in two very real and very tangible ways. One of them is the the breadth and the scope of all of the various and wonderful projects and and concepts and work that you're doing now. But you are also board certified, fellowship trained in pluripotent medicine. You're a bone marrow transplant doc. That's right. I came out of the whole stem cell field and uh, particularly hematopoietic stem cells, which are pluripotent. And uh, I like to think about how do we you know, differentiate, as we all as clinicians tend to differentiate into subspecialties, just like stem cells turn into red cells, white cells, platelets. Um, I, I've tried to stay a little bit pluripotent and, uh, and connect the dots and just like a stem cell can hope, hopefully create a whole uh, individual or being uh, and multiple tissues, um, think about how do we connect the different uh, regenerative elements of, of technology and healthcare to, to build a better healthcare system around the world. There's a lot of conversation now around this. We, you know, we go into medical school and we're, we're single-minded, but the skill set that people have when they go into medicine is it's so robust, right? People are so good at different things. They're musicians, they're multilingual, they're athletes, they're scientists, they're teachers, they're educators, they're family members. They're just this diverse background of incredible skills. You have to take on a singular focus. You have to study, you have to work hard, but then you do come to a point where you do get to begin to branch out. I would suggest that you're one of those people who is, a great representation of just how much branching we can do, how much we are capable of. Did this concept, like, did this resonate with you early on? Or at what point did you realize I do have, I am, I am a, a 24 piece Leatherman device. I, I can do lots of different things and have it be meaningful and not be a dilettante. When did that start for you? Because your journey is, is way out on the right side of the curve. And that's really exciting. Well, I've always been someone who like, gets excited about new things, old things, putting things and mashing them up. You know, I started in the lab in high school at the NIH, you know, my little high school project actually even turned into a drug eventually that Genentech uh, put out there. Uh, and so and I've, I've been a musician and, you know, okay at sports and done aviation. And I always love that sort of, you know, crossing of fields and ideas and people and, and sparking elements. And, you know, the challenge, as you mentioned, in healthcare, as physicians and clinicians, we need to get specialized and and sometimes we can put our blinders on and there's a time for that but there's also the time to uh to connect and and connect, uh, cross cross and connect the dots and, and you mentioned uh my friend and colleague shana uh shana pandya uh you know she's also a physician we both had gone through a program when we were both in medical school at different times called international space university and given that's the theme of this explore this space but right. space is an area that's also multidisciplinary. We just had the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 landing, you know, that required, you know, space medicine and engineering and physics and economics and all these things put together. Uh, and that program I went to actually after the first year of medical school, when I was actually at Stanford and the only non-engineer in a space systems engineering class, designing missions to Mars and all the life sciences part was sort of an uh, opening experience to a lot of things you want to achieve at a, at a significant level. We need to, to break open the silos. And, and so I've been fortunate, I think, to be in locations and, and and with a mix of people from different areas where those cross fertilizations can can thrive. When I look at the work that you've done and I see your TED talks and all the cool projects you do, I'll share something with you. And I think a lot of us walk this path. When I see all that stuff, it's exciting, it's inspiring, but we all have that reflex of comparison and comparing. 
and I see all of this stuff and it sometimes can make people feel less. Why am I not like Daniel Kraft? Why am I not able to do all of those things? Well, how do you, how do you sort of work through that? Cause I would imagine you have that same thing in medical school. We're very competitive. We, we, you know, that the, this sort of thing, it happens where we're looking at what other people are doing As, over the course of my life. I've gotten much better about that, of being able to say, these people do wonderful things. And so do I, and we work together and we help each other. And that's great. But I remember th- that time in my life where it was, oh my gosh, look at this thing that this person is doing. It makes me feel less or it makes me feel inspired or, or it makes me feel some kind of way. Do you, do you experience that yourself? And do you help people move through that tension? Well, I think particularly where I live sort of in the heart of Silicon Valley and the milieu of, of Stanford and UCSF and San Francisco, there's a lot of that, um, I don't know if the word is FOMO, but you can always be looking uh, <laughs> yes. around the corner and, you know, the billionaire next door or the person who had their IPO last week in medicine, uh, you know, if you're, you're any sort of academic or other institutions, always going to be the, the bright, the bright stars of, of the academic side. And, and in healthcare, we're often trained to model, right? We were mentored, right? You look up to your, your residents and then your attendings and maybe the department chief and the models often, you know, uh, you know, publish. And if you're in an environment like, let's say Stanford, most folks aren't a full professor until they've had, you know, three or four startups as well. So it's very dangerous, I think, to always be cross-comparing and and it's easy to get unhappy. You know, there's many very, very successful people who I think uh, do do over comparisons. And, you know, the, the guy next door is worth two billion and has a jet and your jet's smaller. Now, I certainly don't have a jet or billions, but uh, I think there is the ability to kind of find your sweet spot and happiness and fulfillment and uh, doing things in your career need to match you, not what you know, is some glossy cover or what might even feel like something, you know, magical in a TED talk. Those are all encapsulated elements of a life or a journey. And, and I think I've been fortunate to uh, uh, initially follow the sort of traditional academic path in hematology, oncology, bone marrow transplant, done the academic thing, and then sort of found this sort of thing that matched my sort of spirit animal of this convergence uh, and, and, and cross cross connecting and, uh, and hopefully both coming up with my own ideas and helping catalyze others to advance healthcare outside of just one narrow uh, niche. I like that you refer to it as a spirit animal and I'll share <laughs> with you that that vision is very similar to what we're trying to build with explore the space. That same idea of let's reach out. There's these incredible people doing incredible things all across, you know, this, this vast landscape if we can bring in those skills, those ideas, and do it in a collegial and sort of expansive way where we can provide rocket fuel for one another as opposed to, I'm going to keep you at arm's length because what you're doing intimidates, it's really empowering. I'll say for me individually, it's incredibly exciting. And to see what you're able to do with it, it it's 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 wonderful. I think part of it, it's, it's about having your own virtual or in this case, you know, real or virtual, like kind of peer group, like, you know, through your podcast, you're creating connections and people are learning from your, you know, 140 plus amazing guests you have. And in my experience, it's when you get surrounded by other people who are working and living and creating at a higher level game, that's when you up your own sort of ante in, in a fun way. I was really lucky as when I was still a HEMOC fellow at Stanford to go to one of the early TED conferences. Uh, it was still in Monterey. It was it was before the TED Talks were online. I ended up at my very first lunch, you know, at a table, a table with Dean Kamen and one of the Google founders and Matt Groening, the animator from uh, from TV fame. 
and from all the of a sudden, Simpsons. Like, come on, Simpsons, we gotta, you right, got to right. name drop properly. That's Matt uh, Groening from the lots Simpsons. Of, lots, of, lots of name dropping. So <laughs> it was very interesting to, to meet these people outside of their normal sort of bubble, sort of unfiltered yeah. and just like human beings, um, but also being in that sort of multidisciplinary environment. And Ted was started by Richard Saul Werman, who's actually a architect who's gotten very involved in healthcare. Uh, but it's like blending fields, technology, entertainment, design. It's had those mashup elements where at least my spirit animals seem to, to thrive and get excited and, and up a level. And I think a lot of physicians, I mean, really, as you mentioned, really talented folks, you know, whether it's music or writing. And some folks like when I, like I was resident with Sidney Hartha Mukherjee, is an amazing writer and, and clinician and researcher. Some people are triple threats and they maintain that through their arc of their careers. Um, uh, but, you know, it, I think it's important for us all to keep uh, the parts of us that get us excited and alive and hopefully integrate that into our medical practice or our friends and family. And, and if you kind of maintain some of that, that energy and excitement, you'll be a better doctor, clinician, researcher, human being. And, and that's, I think all, on all the topics now about burnout and healthcare as, as clinicians, maybe we're um, so stressed typing EMR records that people lose the, the touch points on what makes them uh, thrive. You and I, I would suggest probably share some similar DNA. If we did the 23 and me, I think there'd be some similarities. <laughs> I'll submit to you though, you do something that I love. And actually when I have the opportunity to mentor people and to do coaching and to, you know, do some leadership counseling and stuff, which I really enjoy and have had the opportunity to do. One of my favorite things to do is what you just described. It's to really create a table of people at a meal who don't even necessarily know each other, but who come from different backgrounds and to literally just sort of share you know, bring your ideas, bring what you're working on, bring what you're thinking about and just put it in the middle of the table and let's spin it around and just sort of see what happens. It's one of the most fun and rewarding ways to spend time with peers, to let them just put out what they're keen on, what they like, what's going on in their industry and just sort of mix it in a pot. Something always grows. Yeah. You can do that anywhere, almost any time. So, you know, that could be a, a, uh, brown bag lunch, you know, in the in the clinic break room. It can be a evening seminar or salon at your house. Yep. Uh, you know, in healthcare, uh, you know, we we talked about this earlier. We often get you know quite narrow and 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 differentiated, right? And the pathologists don't talk to the radio in general to the radiologist, the cardiologist. We all go to our siloed meetings. I'll go to Ash and Asco, and the cardiologists will go to ACC and TCT, and uh, often don't get that cross fertilization. Even you know pharma companies, medical device elements, uh, many large successful companies are still very siloed in how they're set up and organized. And I've sort of become, some people call me a futurist. I, I would say I'm certainly an accidental futurist. I just sort of followed my bliss and part of my path through this last decade uh, on the ground floor of Singularity University and then building this exponential medicine program has been this whole element of bringing different people to the table, the designer from IDEO uh, with a hematologist, with an app maker, with someone doing AI, with someone who's uh, building software for synthetic biology. And that's where the sparks fly when you can learn from someone else and say, wow, that, that would be helpful for what I'm doing and, and cross sharing. And and then at, a, at this conference over in Exponential Medicine, what's kind of magical is people will get inspired and, and, cr and see what other folks are doing and bring that into their own field. So we can sort of uh, de-differentiate <laughs> back to the pluripotent stem cell to help yeah. um, innovate. So, I, and anyone can do this at any time. Just meaning, you know, uh, around the table, bring the nurses in, the patients in, right. the, the, the 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 physical therapists. Often we think, particularly those with MDs or PhDs, it's only invented here by the tip of the spear, and um, a lot of it comes from this cross collaboration and and, and, and opening up the table to different guests. And it's also so much fun. It's just <laughs> it's just pure fun. 
it's, it's, and bringing in uh you know improv and music and that's right uh you know depending on the format right uh getting people out of their their headspace uh, yeah we have uh, we have a, a resident magician in exponential medicine oh, and uh, I love it. even talk about the, the neuroscience of magic uh as well understanding how the brain reacts and why we can get fooled um all those things can help you know stimulate a new therapy for someone with a neurologic disorder or you know, help us hack our own brains to be happier, healthier, or to learn differently. But walk us through a tension that I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you've been able to reconcile. And that is taking on many different things, you know, wearing different hats, taking on responsibility, doing new projects. You are doing any number of things at any given time and you are doing them well. That's hard. It's really easy to tip over and to get totally diluted and to overextend and to not kind of meet a deadline or not get something done in the manner to which you are accustomed, you've been able to take on a lot of things and do them at a very high level. What are the levers that you've pulled to maintain the right balance? Not to say everybody needs to be able to do Daniel Craft number of projects, but we want to do lots of different things and we don't want to get overextended. How have you reconciled that? <laughs> well, thank you for your vote of confidence. I don't think I have reconciled it. Okay. And uh, I'm always learning the lesson that sometimes, you know, less is more. Yeah. Brevity is, brevity is the soul of wit. Um, <laughs> I tend to get, I tend to get excited about different things and like to help in projects and right. advise different startups and just like to be a connector and instigator. And uh, so sometimes you can get a little overextended and you promise something and you miss a deadline or, uh, you're spinning a lot of plates. And I think a lot of us, uh, have that gene. Uh, I don't think I've certainly mastered it. I am super mindful of getting more mindful of, and I'm, I'm far from a, a master of time management, uh, how to get less distracted. I'm reading a book now called how to break up with your phone. <laughs> like many of us, you know, oh. it's easy to get connect over connected to Twitter and social media and, um, you know, and, and Facebook all the way to, you know, for good ways, like we both are on social media and, and sharing stories and news and podcasts and, and, and cross-connecting, then Twitter and beyond. Um, but also to, to, to know that you do need some focus and limitations. So I'm trying to put on my own boundaries now to be a bit better about that um, because, uh, you know, you keep adding more to your plate and all the spinning plates can't always stay up. So I'm, I don't think I have any exact advice there, but uh, to maybe optically feels like I'm doing it all perfectly, but it's far from that. But it's work worth doing. Is that a fair statement? Yeah. Again, things can be, uh, you know, cross contaminating, right? You know, yeah. one project I'm doing like this digital dot health platform to provide sort of a, a curated element for health and medicine crosses over with a lot of the startups I see or the exponential medicine crowd, uh, uh, pursuing a, a whole new technology for making personalized medicines. And that crosses over with people might talk. So I think, uh, for me, I like, you know, um, I, I, I guess I have a bit of a short attention span. I can get bored easily. Uh, uh, I like the ability to, to switch, but we also need to recognize that focus is becoming, you know, the, the power of attention is something that is harder to have in today's technological age. And often we need to balance all those potentialities out there with the ability to get a few things done. And I'm certainly someone who's always, frankly, struggled with that uh, over time and continue to. It's, it's, it's hard work. And it's something that I like being out there kind of in that same place of, I like having lots of things. I like that this is a, a puzzle to work through because I want to bring more on board if I can. And I would imagine you're the same, but it is sort of, it's, it's, 
it's work worth doing for sure. Right. And I think my, my usually if I'm mentoring someone or just talking to somebody who's in medicine and often looking to do some, not necessarily career change, but, you know, feel more fulfillment in healthcare or do more innovation is obviously you want to be really good as, as you're a hospitalist or an anesthesiologist or any ology or specialty of primary care, but open your eyes to other things around you. Find, um, find pain points that you might be able to solve. I mean, so some people, they're totally fine just doing the clinical day to day. I think we all recognize pain points and challenges in almost every element of a clinical encounter from, from your insurance uh, interactions to, uh, discharge planning. Right. Um, and the potential is to go, well, how can I solve this better? You know, the, the teenage kid down the street can help build an app that would solve this. Or I'm friends with uh, a guy with a shop and a 3D printer. Let's mock up a better a little orthopedic device for this particular clinical challenge. And so um, it doesn't mean you need to become a specialist in these, but we're now in an age where we can cross-connect and cross-fertilize with almost anyone around the world and then collaborate. Uh, you know, there's 3 billion more minds coming online in the next couple of years. So we have this entire opening you know, we used to be only in one clinic, one hospital. We have the ability to, to uh, now uh, collaborate. And so you don't need to be an expert at everything. You can find collaborators. Uh, you know, in some cases we call it, you know, benign conspiracy to yeah. bring great minds and, and ideas together with technologies to address challenges. That could be grand challenges like poverty, global health, education, uh, the environment, all the way down to, you know, how do you uh, make your intensive care unit run more efficiently or, um, have your old elderly patients take their medications uh, in, a, in a better form. I think it bookends to how we kind of started this, right? These collaborations, these touch points, these connections, they serve as, they really do serve as rocket fuel. And I like that idea that you put forward that you don't have to be an expert in everything. You find the right collaborator and they will be the rocket fuel for the idea that you have. And what I have found, and I, it just keeps bringing me back to the well, is how excited people are to share what they're doing. One of my favorite things to do in terms of getting people exciting and, and rocket fuel is uh, so sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll give talks, you know, on technology and the future of healthcare, and and people tend to, you know, sometimes fall out of their chairs. They have no idea that this exists or or that is already coming to market. We'll be here soon, uh, and then say, well, now that you've got a bit of this "quote unquote" exponential mindset about what's here and what's coming, um, what might be a pain point, a problem that you want to solve? Whether it's you know uh, keeping grandma from having falls to uh, mental health solutions, uh, challenges you've seen in your personal life or your work life, and get them to do a little brainstorming session uh, where you look at the pain point, uh, see how it's being solved now and how it's not working uh, or not working as well as it could. And then how could you apply multiple new angles, AI, robotics, 3D printing, nanotech, uh, blockchain, uh, CRISPR, you know, all these, you know, sometimes overhyped fields, but how could you converge those to solve things in new ways? And you get people around the table brainstorming and saying yes and instead of oh yes but and that's where it comes rocket fuel can come from you get some amazing uh you know, people together with a challenge and the lens to what's possible uh, uh that's where my rocket fuel comes from i like that you referenced yes and it's good improv right we 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 just keep it moving we keep the conversation going it's it's so exciting if we were to be doing one of those cool word bubble things where the number of words that you use when you use a word it gets bigger so you've used the word exponential many times, and I like it, and I'm glad you do. I don't know if you do it consciously or not, but it's important that we all understand that you don't just talk about this stuff. You actually are one of the incubators for all of these voices, technologies, talents, giving them a place to converge. You do it in my old hometown of San Diego. I will share with you, I learned about this program, Exponential Medicine, 
right before I moved away from San Diego. So I never got to go. I will make it there. But you've built this thing. You've built this entity. It's coming up. What is exponential medicine? Good name, by so, the way. Good name. Uh, yeah, really well, good we, name. We, it was originally called Future Med. We were doing no. these early programs at nope. Singular University on on uh, on the future broadly, and everyone was interested in healthcare from yeah. some angle. Yeah. And a lot of the new innovations were coming from people from outside industries. And now we've seen the Apples and the Googles and the Facebooks and you know uh, gamers and getting into healthcare in, so, in, in some form. And so it was clear to me that we needed a place to kind of cross-fertilize. And so yeah. this program started, uh, now called Exponential Medicine. We've grown it, started in 2011, to the Hotel Dell, where we have only room for about 600 folks from, I think we had 44 countries last year, 500 organizations, and a mix of everything from about a third clinicians to a mix of patients and payers and pharma people and technologists. And, and just it's this really amazing set of folks who just come, all of whom could be giving keynotes in a sense. And then the theme is, in a sense, how do you understand fast-moving technologies. Often we overuse the word exponential, but the classic exponential technologies are, you know, are, are the power of our smartphones and computation getting faster and cheaper. Uh, we're seeing exponentials apply to genomics, where it's you know dropped from millions of dollars to basically $500 a day and soon $100 and $10. Uh, we're seeing it happen in, in AI and virtual reality and, and digital manufacturing. Some of them aren't always exponential, but these are fields that are advancing quickly. And the lens we apply at exponential medicine is to get people up to speed on that. Or usually our first half day is, you know, exponentials 101, what's happening in AI robotics, reprinting, nanotech, blockchain, quantum computing, et cetera. And then do sessions with say, what are the what's the cutting edge and where's this heading in the next two, five, and ten years? I mean, it's only been what, eleven years or twelve years since the first iPhone. Um, it's uh, you know, but we, to each of us, we remember pagers. Now people just use text messaging. So things have changed quickly on the digital side, but we've got a lot of other advancements from immunotherapy to using drones for delivery to even you know emergent areas, ancient medicines like you know psilocybin being used for uh, PTSD and uh, and uh, depression that are coming to the fore. So we try and expose and bring thought leaders and examples of what's cutting edge with a view of what's coming together. 50 startups are there, 70 faculty, breakout workshops, and we're at the beach at the Hotel Dell so we can bring in drum circles at night on the beach and a silent disco yeah. and improv classes and painting. And so you get people out of their comfort zone and cross thing. It's a bit, it's hard to describe. It's a bit magical. Um, and we have a lot of the talks online at exponentialmedicine.com. The next one's coming up this November 4th through 7th. And uh, we make it application-based, so we have a good mix of participants from all sorts of different fields. Um, and, and, and it's been an experiment, but so far has catalyzed a lot of new relationships and, uh, I think, um, innovations. My favorite example is we had the head of innovation from the NHS, the National Health Service in the United Kingdom, come first as a, just a participant. And then I had them give some talks on innovation at the NHS. And from coming to Exponential Medicine, they started a new program called the uh, Clinician Entrepreneur Program inside the NHS, which is now, I think, up to a thousand different young uh, clinicians there leveraging the NHS, their databases and technology, and is really starting to impact care in the UK, and that starts to cross-fertilize to other parts of the world. So lessons from the UK or what's happening in China with mobile or uh, out of Israel, et cetera, you know, can really um, help spark new ideas and collaborations that accelerate um, I, you know, the, the reimagination of, of, of health and medicine. So we know, so I'm a huge sports fan. We know that sports gambling has been legalized and we're all, you know, across the country, everyone's figuring out how is this supposed to work? So give me, just give me the, your imagination for a moment. I get to come to Exponential Medicine and I get to set up a betting shop and I'm right outside the Hotel Dell. I know exactly where I'd set it up. 
right where everyone walks out to the beach. It's awesome. There's like an ice cream stand. Everyone's in a good mood. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. I set up my shop right there and I'm there when the conference ends. And what I set up in my bedding shop is what is the next top three things that are going to have that resonance? You reference the iPhone that are going to have the resonance of a handheld smart device. There are so many things out there. You already mentioned some of them. We've talked about a bunch of them on the podcast. We see them in the popular press every day. It's really hard to sort out what's coming, what's pie in the sky, what's already here. I'm behind the counter of my betting shop and I'm taking bets. Everyone is leaving your conference after that three-day immersive and they want to put their money down. What are the things that you would submit people are going to be putting their money down that are going to have a resonant impact in the next decade? Great question. Uh, I think for a little caveat here, I don't think it's about any one technology like we're betting on CRISPR or wearables or AI. Uh, actually, I, I have the honor of writing the opening article for National Geographic's January issue, which is the future of medicine. And they ended up retitling my article, The 12 Innovations That Will Reshape the Future of Medicine. And the point of my actual story, an article, was that the future of medicine isn't built from any one technology, but increasingly the data we can take from that to be much more proactive and personalized in real time and, and, and have a learning engine for healthcare. So I'd say, what, especially after last year's exponential medicine, what, I think what people were excited about was this convergence of the data we can get from all these new widgets and devices from our smartphones to our wearables to our personal genomes, now blending with the ability to really power that with machine learning, AI, big data, to really uh, to really accelerate how we can use this uh, in and out of the clinic to be over overused term, you know, real-time, personalized, proactive, rather than uh, intermittent and reactive sick care. Uh, and and that, the, that the power of this is really starting to come to the fore with you know what we're seeing, starting to see with AI and radiology, with the ability for systems like UCSF and UCSD, the whole UC system to now connect the dots between their data. Uh, what's happening at Stanford with something called the Green Button uh, Initiative, where you can do a virtual informatics consult. So it's now starting to take the connectome of data. And I like to think about it as building that sort of Google Maps or ways for healthcare to inform almost every element of, of health and medicine. So it's not just how and where we trained in a, in a silo, but it's going to be a continually learning engine that's based on real-time data outside of the usual four walls of a clinical trial or uh, our usual um, limitations in, in that regard. So that's an, one bet, I would say, is that we're going to move to a much more liquid data-fueled um, personalized realm that is hopefully a learning engine. Lots of barriers there, data siloing, misaligned incentives. But I think that's when you get smart people together and it's not just technology, it's understanding the incentives, how we pay for things, how different systems are working and not working, that, that where we move the needle. Do you make it a point at an event like this where you have all these different people, different backgrounds, right? This is that table of people bringing their ideas writ large. You said 500 people from 44 countries or something to that effect. Do you have to lay in sort of an underlying ethos or a mission statement at the start of that just to keep everybody kind of on the same page? We're not competing or, hey, we're competing. We are looking to build each other up or we're looking to poke holes. Do you try – you want people to leave this feeling like this was a collegial fun experience where I met some new people. I've got some great new collaborators. Clearly, I get the sense that this is created to, to meet that same visualization you have for how you fashion your career. But it's hard, right? These are lots of different personalities and different objectives and different ideas. How do you keep that focus when you've got that small group, that large group, a group the size of exponential medicine, to keep everybody at least on the same page? Yeah, it's not meant to be a you know techno utopian 
you know, enthusiastic element. We have optimists there for sure, but let's say we'll have a, a keynote talk about, I don't know, the future of mental health that can be enabled with digital tools and technology and genomics. You know, it's it, often try and make sure we frame, you know, what's here, what's cutting edge, what's coming, but what are the challenges? What are the barriers? How can we use the exponential medicine global community and others connected to it or, or like-minded to um, not, you know, predict the future, but create it boldly together in a sense. Um, and, and I purposely try and make sure we curate cross connections. Uh, I, like when, during usually the first break of the very first day, I'm saying, go, go meet four people you don't know at all. Cause people will still come and they'll sit next to people they know that's human nature or from their organization. But uh, I kind of have a mission to meet four new people at the first break or two. And then the first evening we often do this, uh, uh marshmallow challenge, which is a little team, team sport which is a lesson in how folks collaborate and don't collaborate and leadership around a small, you know, insignificant exercise. It has lessons for, you know, your own clinical practice, how you might innovate inside of a small team or a large organization. Um, so I'm not sure if I answered your question, but I think uh, part of it is getting out of your, a lot of people come, or they feel like they're the round pegs and the square holes at their organizations. They're sometimes the chief innovation officer and they've right. got all these great ideas. Sometimes we need to bring the folks with a stick in the muds there too um, uh, and realize that, we have some amazing technologies here. We don't need to wait for the future. It's already here, just not evenly distributed, which is a famous quote. Uh, and, and, and part of what we can do is hopefully make that future come a bit faster and and, um, and, and both highlight the potential, but also what's not working because uh, we can we can share share with each other. Your conference, I, I think you answered my question beautifully because what this conference does, from what I'm hearing, is not only is there the learning and the collaboration, but there is, at least for some people, this opportunity to get out of the comfort zone of doing things the way you kind of always do of, of always sitting with your friends for lack of a better way to term it. I've been to the same conference as you have people gravitate and they sit with the same people like that. Mm -hmm. That starts when we're in school and it doesn't stop and there's nothing necessarily wrong with it, but at an event like this and perhaps when we're trying to collaborate and meet new people and to break out of silos, we want to have those forcing functions and, I think it's really smart. And I actually like that idea of just giving people that little challenge, that little task, go meet four. You don't need to meet 25. You don't need to be best friends with everybody here. You're not going to get everybody's business card Four. I want four. That's achievable. That's doable. And that feels rewarding. And not just to meet them, but to share like, what's a challenge you have? What's a, yeah. a pain point, right? Yeah. And, and how, and how are you solving it? Or what have you seen lately? And, 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 you know, one of my favorite examples that came out of this, uh, we had a, a, one of my friends and colleagues, Shafi Ahmed, he's a surgeon out of, of London who's pioneered virtual reality as a way for doing surgical education. He gave a talk at experimental medicine and it got seen in a lot in Bolivia. He became famous in Bolivia about using virtual reality for medical education. And there's not enough surgeons and surgical training in Bolivia. He went, he got invited down there, got an honorary PhD, and now he's collaborating and they're building a whole new you know, hospital in the future, leveraging a lot of these technologies. So one of my favorite elements is is the idea that we can democratize healthcare. I mean, we're not talking about CAR T cell therapy for every cancer patient at a million dollars a pop, but just something as simple as having connectivity in an AI chatbot to help you with everything from depression to triage, to bringing in a drone to deliver blood products, to uh, helping having virtualized radiology where there's no radiology. All these things can, uh, can be sparked um, in, 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 in forums like this. And part of it is we're often trained not to be vulnerable to ask, you know, what's your ask and, and, and what can you share? So often in the closing day, we'll have, you know, people, participants stand up and share something they're looking for or something they want to volunteer or have built a platform that could, could help others. And that, that sparks um, uh, an acceleration of, of both learning and sharing and, and innovation. I want to share an idea with you and you'll tell me what you think of it. 
it builds on this idea of introducing ourselves and sharing with people what's important and helping them get a better sense of what I'm about. And I want to get a better sense of what you're about. And let's see how we can collaborate, become friends, strike up a partnership, all of that good stuff. We've introduced ourselves in these conferences and in the same way for forever. Um, you know, obviously the handshake, the hi, nice to meet you, the pleasantries, Oftentimes, there's the exchanging of the business card. Here's what I think some people are probably already doing, and perhaps there's better ways, and I may be way behind, but what I what I think about and what I kind of want to step into and try and do is on the business card, on the back of it, have the QR code that's got the cover letter and the CV on it. So I can say to them, hey, look, nice to meet you. You know, We're going to go to the cocktail hour. Or I'm going to go to this breakout session, but hey, on the back, here's the QR code. It's got my, it's kind of got my mission and vision statement and it's got my CV and you can take a look at it. Are people doing things like this? Are people trying to break out of the mode so we can connect quickly, get an understanding of what other people are interested in about challenges, these sorts of things. And is that a good platform to do it? I mean, I think we do need to reinvent the, uh, the conference name badge <laughs> right? You know, or where, and I've seen some approaches where you can, you know, wand it with your name badge and they'll collect the data for yeah. you. And, um, but also we're often sometimes, you know, slaves to our bio, right? I've got my little Stanford, Harvard trained physician scientist bio that can, you know, gets read if I give a talk or I'm somewhere it's on your LinkedIn. But I, I think it'd be interesting, you know, what, what's Mark interested in or Daniel interested on the side? Like, you know, I've got a passion for aviation and space. Yep. And you might like, uh, uh, certain sports elements you know yep. sometimes we, when we connect that human level it's not just our academic bio um that's where some kind of fun sparks and and, and having that sort of not just uh, uh you know purely business-minded interaction oh no for uh, sure we're, and we're, it's got we're, the we're, it's got the twitter feed it's got the facebook feed it's got the social media connections they were they started doing this there was a lot of conversation on this at the society of hospital medicine annual meeting of having the twitter feed on your badge uh but no i mean it's that idea of they can buzz it and say, Oh, Mark Shapiro's a Dodgers fan, right on. Or Mark Shapiro's a Dodgers fan. Oh brother, I don't <laughs> But it's <laughs> giving people that entree to know each yeah. to, we can get to know each other better. The things that interest me about you and I the reason I reached out to you, and I know you'll understand this, it's not because you went to Stanford and Harvard. It's because of the other. It's because of the things that go beyond that. We're all smart. We're all well trained. It's the other that's going to be the amplifier and the rocket fuel. Yeah, to create your own little uh, group of others, right? If you're all just with like people just like you all yeah. the time, that that not necessarily isn't um, that can be fine, right? We like to go to with Dodgers fans to the game and root for them. Yeah. There's that tribe. There's that tribal element, but um, I think societies and, and healthcare and other fields of advance when you when you mix it up with the the non likes and the others that have other skill sets and interests and experiences. And, um, that's, what's been really fun about exponential medicine and singular university elements is that you get this, uh, folk sort of, um, very different people coming together and, and looking at challenges and, and trying to solve them in new ways and, and have fun at the same, at the same time. So you do have an expansive CV. You've done lots of different things. And I think it would be great if you could share some of the highlights and we'll have links in our show notes, but what are some of the things you direct people to when they, they hear you speak or they read your article in National Geographic that you want that they can kind of get to on social media, on YouTube, on your website? Where do you like to direct people to learn about the things that you're doing, to learn about you specifically, and to get a sense of this expansive, exponential work, right? Where, where do you like to direct people? I, I literally built my little Daniel Craft 
md.net website about a year ago on Squarespace is because I could sort of then put links to talks and endeavors and collaborations uh, in one space. So you can find a lot about me at DanielCraftMD.net. But, you know, what's been fun for me is not always doing the traditional medical path. I got involved in, in digital health back in the 90s, I built the first online medical bookstore, you know, to meet an unmet need. I think most innovators uh, find a problem and that they have and they solve it. And that was a, a better way to get medical textbooks and stethoscopes and clogs. And I did that while I was a resident. Uh, when I was a bone marrow transplant fellow, I was part of the very first year of Stanford's biodesign program and invented a medical device called the Marrow Miner. It's one of my first TED Talks about, you know, how do you, how do you um, solve a clinical problem in new ways? Uh, my last TED Talk uh, is about a new endeavor I'm doing called IntelliMedicine, which the idea that the future of medicine should be intelligent, data-driven. Can we take the data about each individual and patient and use that if they require multiple meds to make a personalized polypill, I call it IntelliMed. So you could essentially 3D print your own personalized medications eventually at home that might adapt to your blood pressure or weight or other elements that might be changing and, and need a feedback loop. Um, so there's a bunch of things there. I've also been involved in the XPRIZE. Uh, help come up with the Tricorder X Prize, which was won a couple of years ago. How do you how do you inspire people to, to take audacious steps and compete to solve a problem? In this case, how do you make a sort of a medical type Tricorder? Uh, working on a new one on, on a cancer X Prize. So I I, I I keep things pretty uh, diverse, sometimes too diverse, um, but it's at that diversity, and as we mentioned earlier in the call, uh, that that some of the magic happens, and you get to meet very different people from different worlds that that you get to help, and they get to help you. There's no question about it, and the the website is on the is in the show notes. You keep it busy on social media as well. We'll have your Twitter feed there, Daniel. This is great. It's been wonderful to finally connect with you. It's it's fun. It's exciting to see how we can mix all of this wonderful stuff together. A, see what happens, and B, do it in a sustainable way where it feels fulfilling. Recognizing we'll constantly get better. We'll keep looking to find that balance, but. To see that you can be doing this as the career continues to evolve, that's exciting. And I think for lots of people, that will be affirming that it's the right work. Yeah, and we're all different. We're wired differently. I always just sort of say, follow, you know, follow your bliss or, or your spirit animal, whatever that might be, and hopefully it will lead you to places. You have to also be able to embrace some uncertainty because it's, you know, it's, it's uh, if you're in a lucrative private practice doing procedures all day, but you're not exactly happy with it, it's hard, sometimes it's hard to make the jump or to find transitions to other fields. So you can start simple. Like it may be, um, you know, there's a lot of interesting tools and technologies out there for the, like clinicians who are listening or even patients or other folks that you can start to utilize for your own health, whether it's, you know, wearables to track your simple things like sleep or steps or prescribing a patient a connected blood pressure cuff and integrating that into their health kit. And, and even if your electronic medical record doesn't access it, finding ways to use that for their personal plan. So I, I always encourage people not to, you know, wait for the future, start taking little baby steps or find areas that you can um, integrate some of these innovations in your own life that, that get you excited and, and then share those with others when they're working or when they're not working, uh, share why or find out why and, and find new ways to, to address the problems. It's a great way to approach a career. It's been a total treat to speak with you. Thank you so much for coming on. This was really fun. Thanks, Mark. And you said, you know, this is totally scripted. We didn't uh, improv this at all. I hope, <laughs> I, stuck, hope I stuck to the bylines and, uh, um, uh, honor and pleasure and, and thanks for having me on the show I'll, I'll, I'll have notes for where you went off script we'll circle back when we're <laughs> done but no the, <laughs> yeah no we kept it scripted absolutely Daniel thank you so much thanks thank you for listening to Explore the Space visit us on our website explorethespaceshow.com and please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes 
follow us on Twitter at ETS Show. And you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to mark at explorethespaceshow.com.